Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, well, I hope you're doing well. Uh, we're excited about this series we're in today, and I can't wait to, to get to the Word. Uh, before I do, I've just, you know, I, I, uh, I uh, am glad to be here. Um, I went fishing this week. Come on, any fishermen in the room? Did you, for those of you who wooed, do you fish or are you just being nice? It's very unkind. No, I, I didn't hear a woo from him though, but I, I, I heard a woo from not, he's just, he's not paying attention. It's okay. He's, but I went fishing in Waterton and I uh, was there for three and a half days and uh, we were back uh, fishing for brown trout and brook trout and lake trout. I'm sure you don't care, but I don't care that you don't care. So I'm just going to keep telling you. Anyways, we were out in the middle of the uh, out in the middle of the uh, uh, of the wilderness. I was fishing on Cameron Lake, and I was catching a bunch of fish. And my buddy went down the way, kind of far away from me, to use the washroom. And I'm putting on uh, bug spray, not bear spray, but bug spray. And uh, I look up, and there's a black bear staring at me. And he's about right to the back of that screen right there, about a hundred feet. And he's just staring at me with his down crash. And I'm thinking, oh no. So I have my bear spray out, and I'm hiding behind the tree, and I went, you know, I kind of went, Josiah, Josiah, and he couldn't hear me. He's like, and he's laughing because whenever I would, I would joke around the whole time that there's a bear, I would be like, Josiah, there's a bear, and then they'd be like, ooh, and I'd be like, ha, 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 you know. This time I'm like, Josiah, and he's like, ha, 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 and I was like, no, there's a bear, and I went, bear, bear, and the little guy jumps for a minute. He ran away, but then he came on back, and he's just sitting there staring at me. I thought, all right, Holy Spirit, if I'm going to go like this, I'm going to go with a fight. And so I'm hiding behind the tree. Um, I literally thought to myself, I, I threw my fishing rod. I thought, I, I know I'm not supposed to run, but that's the only thing I can think to do. So I had my bear spray, and I yelled out to my friend, Josiah, there's a bear. And then Josiah went, whoo. <laughs> and he made his way up the back of the thing, and the bear started following my friend down to the creek, and he walked right below, and he's down there staring at him, and he comes over to me. And all of a sudden, the bear just kind of worked its way back up, and stared at us for longer, and he took off, and I thought to myself, I smell like urine right now. <laughs> Honestly, it was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. I had someone come up to me today, and I don't know if you're in the room, Carrie, but I took it very offensive that you said this to me. She's like, oh, Ryan, it was just a black pear. <laughs> it's a good point. You stand 100 feet from a black pear in the middle of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> Except when, when I had an open bag of, of jerky in the back of my bag, which I did. But I'm so glad that Andrew doesn't think it's a big deal that a bear stared me down. A guy who's never been near a bear. You've never even been to the zoo, Andrew. Jeez. Anyway, so I'm glad to be here. I just want to report to you that I do love you. I love my wife. I love my family. And I was definitely a moment of fear. And so we said, hey, they said, let's just be done fishing for now. Let the bear figure it out. And then 30 minutes later, we were right back out again. And it was awesome. I caught 75 fish this last this week. Less than last year, though. Last year, I caught 85. And uh, so the Lord was teaching me a lesson in patience and uh, gratitude for the 75 that I did catch. So, and uh, also Yinka was wondering why I don't keep them. I don't keep them because I'm not a terrible person. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't keep them because I don't know what to, where am I going to put it, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to be fishing, walking around with a bunch of fish in bear country hanging down for me. <laughs> That'd be stupid. Anyways, 
Well, I'm so glad you guys are here. We are obviously in a series called God Will Make a Way. We're looking at the life of Moses, nine weeks. We are on our third week this week. And what we've been looking at for the last three weeks and will continue to look at is the idea that uh, the, uh, the life of Moses and how God had an overarching plan for the life of Moses. We get to see the beginning all the way to the end of Moses' life and watch how God used him and what God did in his life to fulfill God's purposes in his life. God made a way. And what we talked about in the very first week of our series series was the idea that it just sometimes it just doesn't make sense that God leads us down things in our life that doesn't make any sense at all yet what we have to understand is that God is doing something he's working behind the scenes it doesn't make any sense but God is in control and what he's trying to teach you and he's trying to teach me is to trust the Lord to be still and to trust that the Lord is in control he's trying to teach us that this life isn't really about me it's really not about you it's about God's glory And when God receives all the glory in our lives, guess what happens? You get to experience a blessed life. When God receives the glory in your life, guess what? You get to experience all the things that God has put in your heart. God begins to do things in your heart and your life. Why? Because God has received all of the glory. And so we learn that even though when things don't make sense in our lives, God is working behind the scenes. Last week, we talked about it's a setup. And how we looked at the fact that God needed to get Moses from point A to point B. And we look at the story and it looked beautiful. It was like God just did it. He just weaved it. It was perfect. It was amazing. But what we don't see in the text are all the incredible people that had to make major sacrifices and surrenders to fulfill the purposes of God. Here was the point from last week. God God will set you up, but it's built upon your surrender. God has a purpose for your life. God's trying to get you somewhere. God is something bigger and better than you could imagine right now. But guess what? It doesn't just come easily. It comes with a yes. It comes with a surrender. It comes with saying, yes, Lord, whatever you want for my life. And so we talked about the idea that, man, it doesn't make sense. And man, it's a setup. And so today what we're going to talk about, every week we have a phrase. Come on, I want you to repeat after me. It's not time yet. yet. Come on, one more time. It's not time yet. See, God's purposes require the right way, the right time, and the right person. All of these have to come together for God to fulfill his purposes in your life. Often we're impatient. What we do is we get ahead of ourselves. God's called us to start a ministry or God's called us to travel or God's called us to start a business or start a family or God's called us towards something in our life. And what happens is, as you know and I know, we get ahead of God. We start to take action and start to put things into gear and start moving forward. We start that business or we make that investment or we end that or start that relationship out of this need to say, God, I know this is what you want from me. I feel like you have a call on my life. I feel like there's something great in store. And so what we often do is we get ahead of God. It's just not time yet. What we often do is we get ourselves in the position of God at times. And really what happens is, is that we're not the right person yet. This isn't the right time and that's not the right way. And what we learned through the story of Moses, where we are today is that Moses, remember, was in a season, last week we talked about this, where he was uh, supposed to be murdered by his mother uh, because Pharaoh didn't want any Hebrew baby boys being born. But instead, she chose to keep him. And in an act of faith, she put Moses in a reed basket in the water. And as you remember, it floated down the water at just the right time. God was setting them up. Pharaoh's daughter found the child. 
And here comes uh, Miriam, breaks through the, the bushes and says, hey, can I find you a, a mom to wean that child for you? We talked about this last week, remember? Yes, they went and got Moses' mother. So Moses, who gave away the sacrificial offering to God, God restored her fortune, brought the child back to her, and she got paid to do it. So here's this child growing up in Amram's and Jacobed's house. And for the first five, six years of this young boy's life, before he was given back to Pharaoh's daughter, this young boy was taught all the things about Yahweh, Jehovah, Elohim, the creator God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. All the, 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 the family, the, the, their, his parents began to teach him about the promises of the covenant of Abraham and the things that God did for Jacob and the thing God did for Isaac. And hey, remember Joseph. They've forgotten about Joseph. Remember Joseph? Joseph was the one who redeemed the people. He saved Egypt. He saved us. You're like a Joseph, Moses. You, you look like him and you act like him. And you're un, you're ordin, unordinary and something supernatural about your life. There's something unique about you, Moses. You're like a Joseph. Man, you're like an Abraham. Man, they begin to instill in this young boy a root system of what it meant to follow after God and the purposes of God. For those six years, they laid a godly foundation for this young man to call upon after he was a, a young man and an adult. I want to encourage you today, parents, something very important. I read this in a science magazine, actually, a psychology magazine, talking about the science behind children's minds, that children, their fifth and sixth year, are when certain pathways in your child's brain begin to close. And actually, the first five, six years of their life, you have an opportunity to lay a foundation for the kingdom of God for your young person. Moses went into an environment where he was surrounded by foreign gods. They did not have the oral teaching of scripture. They did not talk about Jehovah Jireh. They didn't talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had other gods. They had other idols. They had other things. The only thing that Moses had to lean on was what he learned in the first five years of his life. And you might say, oh, Ryan, I didn't do very good for the first five years. Is my son destined for destruction? The answer is, you thought I was going to say yes. No, the answer is no. No, God makes a way and he uses your child and maybe you didn't do a great job in the first five. Yeah, that's okay. God is good, amen. God is faithful. The Holy Spirit transforms hearts and makes minds new. But something supernatural was happening in the first five, six years of their life. They took every single moment they had to remind Moses, Moses, remember you're special. Moses, remember you're called of God. Moses, remember you're just like Joseph. God's called you to redeem these people. Remember Moses, you're unique. Remember Moses, remember what God did for Abraham. Remember what God did for Isaac. Remember what God did for Jacob. Remember our creator, Yahweh God. Don't forget Elohim. Don't forget Jehovah Nisi. Don't forget Jehovah Jireh. Don't forget him. And so this young Moses was taught all of these things until one day around his age five or six, he was required. They were required to bring little Moses back to the courts of Pharaoh and they took him there and they gave their child away to the, the princess of, of, of Pharaoh, the daughter of Pharaoh. And remember, his, the, the, the daughter of Pharaoh was the only sibling left of three. The other two had died. And so Moses was now the only heir to the throne of Egypt. In fact, he was a Hebrew boy who is now adopted to become the next heir of Egypt. He would then become the savior of the Egyptian people or the, he, the Hebrew Israelite people. This is maybe what Moses thought God had in store for his life. And as he began to live in this place, something began to happen in Moses. Moses grew up in the courts of Pharaoh, and over time, he began to realize that something just wasn't right. 
I feel this sense of a call of God in my life and I sense this sense in me that there's something unique in me and there's something special about my life and God's got a call on me and he's anointed me to do this thing or I've got an idea for this ministry or idea for this, this business or whatever it might be. God is stirring something in my heart. He's feeling something is shifting on the inside of him. Why do I not look like these Hebrew people? Why do I look like the Israelites? Why do I, I feel like whenever the Egyptians do these worship to foreign gods, I, I don't want anything to do with it. I, I don't, I have this, this sense of disgust for the type of revelry and the sin that they engage in. Something is just changing on the inside of me. And Moses began to change and God began to change him. And we know this was happening because it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 26, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead for his great reward. Now, at the time, Paul wrote this, rather, uh, the author, supposedly Paul, wrote this in reflection. I don't believe Moses in the moment was thinking to himself, I'm looking forward to for Christ and a better future. At the time, Moses was just being impacted by the presence of God. Moses was being spoken to by the purposes of God. Paul writes this and says, hey, this is what was happening inside of Moses. God was stirring a new faith in him. There was a call of God on his life. And he began to say, man, I used to enjoy these pleasures, but I don't anymore. I used to love these types of friendships, but I don't anymore. I used to like to talk like that and act like that and think like that and walk like that and do those things. But something is shifting on the inside of my life. Something is changing me. God was absolutely changing Moses. And Moses kept grabbing back to what his mom and dad taught him. There's something special. Remember Jehovah Jireh. Remember Elohim. Remember this. And over time, he became very disinterested in the lifestyle and the benefits of what it meant to be an Egyptian. That's a beautiful picture of what Christ did because here's, here's Moses rejecting the luxuries of Egypt. It says to suffer with his people. Here's this redeemer God, this, this redeemer savior, this God-like figure. This, the, the people would look to him as God and say, wow, God is beginning to, to show Moses that there is a supernatural call on your life and his interests. That's why when you sense this, this disdain for the things you used to love, alcohol, or maybe you were once sleeping around and now you're like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. It's not okay. Or in a relationship that wasn't held. You say, why do I have this disinterest in me? It's because the Holy Spirit is working on your heart. Heart. It's because the Holy Spirit is changing you and he's making you new. And I got to tell you, I'm going to just say this clearly and you're not going to like it. When that happens in your life, let me tell you, it's not fun. It's lonely. You feel like you're on the outside looking in. You feel like, man, what's going This is why most new believers fall away from God because serving God is not just about cupcakes, cream, and cherries on top. Serving God is a life of surrender. But... The life that you do, the life that you live for God, when you fulfill the purposes of God for your life, or is the most fulfilling thing you will ever do. Yes. And so although it doesn't always exciting to get to that place, and it's lonely, and it's difficult, and it's hard, and it's a rejection, fulfilling God's call for your life is far greater and more fulfilling and satisfying. That's why the sacrifice is so worth it. Yes. God began to do something and his conscience began to change. God began to stir something in him. Now, what I learned is, is that in, in Egypt, they would quarantine the, the Hebrew people to a, a specific sector of the city. 
And so what they would do is they would do all their, their service and their labor. And so they would go back. So all the 12 tribes of Israel were represented in this environment. All the Israelites were there and all, they would all live in this certain section. And so it was most likely that, that Moses did not have a lot of interaction with Israelite people. He, he most likely did not come in regular contact with them. It's most likely that he didn't often have relationship with these people. But over time, we, we find that there were moments when he saw Israelites, moments when he heard the Hebrew language, moments that were reminding, oh, that reminds me of my mother, reminds me of my, my father. There were moments that were reminding him, and over time, he began to feel this desire and this passion to go and to see his people. In fact, he had these emotions that were culminating to to this moment in Moses' life, now coming upon 38, 39, 40 years old, all these years of God speaking to his heart and believing now for sure God has called me for something special. God has called me with a great purpose in my life. There is something more for my life than this. He began to look for opportunities to step out for God, but you have to remember something very important. There is a right time, there is a right way, and you gotta be the right person. It's not time yet. We see in the scripture here that it all culminates to this moment where Moses says, I'm going to go out and see my people. I'm going to go to the Hebrew quarter, if I can call it that, and I'm going to check things out. It says in the scripture in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews, and after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptians and hid the body in the sand. So the, the phrase there, when he saw, or when he looked up, that word is not a word, just look with your eyes. It actually invokes emotion that when Moses went out and saw his people, he had such compassion on the Hebrew people who were being oppressed. Doesn't it sound like Jesus? It says in the Gospels that when Jesus came over the mountain and saw all the people that they were a sheep without a shepherd, that he groaned. Literally, the word compassion means to ache in your bowels. He groaned for the people because he saw how they were lost and without a shepherd. And in the same way, when Moses walked among his people, he looked out upon them and he was groaning with emotion, looking at what was going on. Now, most theologians believe that, that the man that was being beaten up was of the Levite tribe which was Moses' tribe. And so he went out and saw one of his own local tribesmen, his brother, his fellow brother being beaten. Theologians also assume and suggest that this man who was beating the Hebrew was an Egyptian taskmaster that would often come back to the, to the, to the palace where Moses was and they would sit around drinking their alcohol drinks, having a good time talking about these stupid, disgusting Hebrews. And how today I beat one of them up so hard. He would tell terrible, brutal stories about the terrible things he would do to these people. Many theologians believe that this specific person was a well-known individual for mistreating his people and that this idea of Moses going out to murder this man was premeditated. That Moses knew exactly what he was doing. That everything had culminated up to this moment when Moses walked among his people. 
And he happened to walk up to this one Egyptian taskmaster. And he thought to himself, all of my life and all that God has been saying to me has culminated to this one moment. I'm finally able to do my purpose. I am going to kill this Egyptian taskmaster and redeem and rescue my people from this awful man who has it out for the Levite tribe. And so that's exactly what Moses did. He went out and he took matters into his own hands and he went out and he murdered this Egyptian man and he threw him in the sand, bleeding to himself, I am the rescuer of Israel. See, what Moses thought at that moment is maybe this was the purpose I was alive. Maybe this is what God was doing. See, I want to encourage you with something today. Often, if our future and our purpose is left to our thinking, we will think too small. See, Moses thought, man, I'm going to take out this one person. And God said, actually, I want you to take out the entire Egyptian. I want to take them all out. Not only that, I don't want you just to save one tribe. I want you to save them all. See, you think so little for God's purpose on your life. You think your job is just to work where you are right now and go to work every day, Monday to Friday, seven days a week, go through the rat wheel, the, the hamster wheel of life. I have word for you today. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that the Lord has prepared for those that love him. It's the Bible says that God can do above and beyond all that we can ask or dream or imagine according to the work that's within us. I want to tell you today, God's purpose for your life. It might not make you important and famous and rich, which doesn't even matter. All, all that matters is the glory of God, amen? But I need you to hear me today. You think you're working at your job right now because you're just trying to get a paycheck. You are sorely mistaken. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, God has a plan and a purpose to further his kingdom, to bring lost people to Christ, to expand his church, to expand the kingdom of God. And if you think for one minute you're just here doing your thing, don't think so small. See, Moses thought to himself, I'm just going to go and make this happen. This is the moment when I'm supposed to step out. His motivation was right, maybe, but it wasn't the right way. It wasn't the right time. And Moses wasn't ready yet. Up to this point, Moses had no supernatural encounter with God. We don't read any indication that he had had a burning bush moment yet. No indication that the Holy Spirit had spoken to him. No indication that God was involved in speaking to him as clearly as he did in the encounter with the burning bush. At this moment, it was basically Moses' feelings of call and his feeling, how can I imaginatively fulfill the call of God? He thought of stepping out in faith, but he was stepping out in imagination. And this is where we get in trouble. We think we're stepping out in faith, but in reality, it is our reality rather than God's reality. So Moses, after he did this, thought, man, I'm going to go out again and see all my people. They're probably going to put me on their shoulders and celebrate me. It says the very next day, Moses went out to visit his people again, and he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? I, I've redeemed you guys. Moses said to the one who had started the fight, the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Moses probably went out, thought that, man, these people are going to recognize me as the one who finally took care of the one man who was causing them so much trouble. And yet now they're rejecting me. Why are they not receiving me? Why, why are they not accepting me as their leader? I have inroads to Egypt. I have inroads. In fact, I'm going to be Pharaoh one day, and I want them to know that I'm going to help them and take care of them. What's going on? Why are they not accepting me? 
Moses was trying to make room for his gifting on his own. He was trying to force the season. This is importance of letting the gift or the call of God make room for itself. If God's called you to preach, don't beg to preach. Let God make room for itself. If you're called to sing and lead worship, let the gift make room for itself. If you're called to exhort or to prophesy or to lead a church or to start a business, let the God make room. God will open doors of opportunity if he's in it. Stop trying to force God's will on your life. You're not ready yet. And in fact, there's a reason why God didn't let him have this yet. When he walked up to these people, he thought on the inside, I'm changed. I'm a new man. I'm refusing the things of Egypt. But on the outside, he still looked like an Egyptian. In fact, he acted like an Egyptian. He murdered a man. He looks no different than the Egyptian taskmaster. He also looked different. Those days in Egyptian courts, in the, the, the palace, they would have shaved their heads and they would leave a strand of hair out the right side of their head and they would braid it. And that was a sign of distinguished Egyptian. And so what Pharaoh, Moses on the inside is feeling like, oh my gosh, God's doing something. But on the outside, he hadn't changed yet. He looked like the same Egyptian taskmaster and snotty palace person that every other Egyptian looked like. Why would we receive you when Egypt is all over you? He looked like an Egyptian. So he looked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. He dressed like an Egyptian. And even though Moses' heart was changing, Moses was trying to force the call of God. He wasn't ready yet. He, he, God may have been doing something on the inside of him and speaking to him about his future, but God wasn't ready to let him go yet. God wasn't ready to let him step into that yet. Why? Because God had some work to do. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right way. And he wasn't the right person. At this point, Moses knew nothing of what it meant to be a shepherd. He spent his whole life in the palace. Wherever Moses went, or he, like literally he would go out in a chariot and people were required to bow before him or they would be beaten in public. Wherever Moses went, they served him grapes while he laid in bed and they washed him and they clothed him. Moses had never done a servant thing his entire life. So here he is wanting to be a servant and redeemer, yet this guy had never done one single thing that God was gonna have him do in the future. He wasn't ready yet. And here he is in this moment. Stepping out, trying to make things happen on his own. And here, what happened was Moses was thinking, uh, was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I've done. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and the king tried to kill Moses. Many scholars believe that the reason this made Moses or Pharaoh so upset was because Moses was the next in line and thought that this was his way of trying to turn over the Egyptian empire to make it a Hebrew empire. And so now he took it as an opportunity to kill Moses. So Moses began to flee. Moses ran, as the scripture says. He tried to kill Moses. Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. So here's Moses, and he made a really poor choice in his life. He, he tried to get ahead of God. Many of you here today have certain things in your life you tried to get out of God. Maybe you're driving trucks today because you tried to get out of God. I need a car, and then went out and bought a car and realized you can't afford it. <laughs> okay, I got ahead of God a little bit. Maybe you're in a relationship today, and you're like, man, you're getting really serious in your relationship, and you knew in your gut that it's not a right relationship, and you advanced it, and now you're like, oh, shoot, like, I, this isn't of God. 
Or maybe you quit that job and started the new job and you're like, oh man, I didn't really have peace. I just was excited about it. And now I'm in this new job and I'm like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have done that. It's just my imagination. Maybe you're in a season of life where you try, you got ahead of God, but I'm here to tell you today, here's Moses standing on the very end of Egypt and he doesn't know where to go. The Bible doesn't tell us that Moses sat down and thought it through. He grabbed his stuff from his home. He went to the very edge of the city. He was about to abandon everything that he'd ever known. And he stepped in and says, where do I go? Uh, what do I do? What do I do? Uh, I'm gonna go this way. He went towards Midian, Midian and walked in the desert for 18 days by himself, barely any food or any water. He walked for 18 days and just so happened to sit on a well in Midian. See, what you don't realize is that even though you and I screw up our lives so much, God is still working. Amen. See, I used to think that it was like this is God's will. A, B, C, D, E. Man, A is like, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I don't make a lot of mistakes. I read my Bible pretty consistently. I give a lot of money. You know, I stay pure. I'm a good person. I'm holy. I'm going to see plan A. Come on, that's the best of the best. Whoop, I screwed up today. Plan B for me. And see, now it would imply that if I believe that it's plan F, that you're plan F and they're plan F, and that's not true. That's a joke. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> Didn't think it was funny, okay. But that's not how God works. God works more like a, like a road when you're driving down the road and you've got multiple lanes and you're driving on the right lane and there's a construction ahead and the Lord says to you, hey, switch lanes. And you say, I like this lane. And all of a sudden you stay in that lane and you run into the construction and you crash. And the Holy Spirit comes over to you and says, come on, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Why didn't you get over it? You say, I don't know. I thought this was better. He says, it's fine. He fixes up your car for you and says, okay, slaps your car in the back of the bum and says, get going. Listen, I want you to hear me. You are never late for God's purposes for your life. You need to hear me today. You are never late. You don't show up to God's purposes for your life. And God says, well, if you just went on this right and this right and this right, well, then you're going to figure this out. No, God is with you working behind the scenes. Even though Moses had just murdered a man and he was doing something wrong, it wasn't right. Even though he did that and tried to get ahead of God, God led him to Midian. And in Midian is where God needed to get Moses anyways. As he walked into Midian, Midian, it says a priest of Midian had seven daughters to come to, uh, who came as usual to draw water and fill water troughs for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. And then he drew water for their flocks. And when the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. They answered. And, and then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. And where is he? Father asked, why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. So Moses accepted the invitation and settled there with him in time. Ruel gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. And later she gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. See, we see God now is at work. Here's Moses screwing up his life, making mistakes, made a, a decision he should have made, tried to get ahead of God. God led him to a well. He sits down at a well, sees some girls in need, tries to rescue them. Then they are rescued. They leave and go back home. And there he is sitting there waiting. Well, what do I do now, God? I mean, like I just did something for you again. And here I am again. And all of a sudden he looks off in the distance and these girls come back. Now what's really fascinating about this season is that God needed to get Moses into Midian. Why? The name Ruel actually means shepherd of God. So Moses 
happened to begin to work in the home of the shepherd of God. And what did he do for 40 years is he was a shepherd of God. He was 40 years being taught to be a shepherd. God needed to get him into the place of Midian where he could be trained to be everything that God needed him to be. What you don't realize is that despite your mistakes, God's still trying to get you to Midian. Now, I want to give you three thoughts here today as we end our time together, three practical thoughts to help you understand wherever you're at, whether you're still in your parents' house or maybe you're in Egypt as a young person or maybe you're starting to feel the call of God or maybe you're out walking around trying to rescue people and do things and get ahead of God or maybe you're in Midian right now. There's three specific things that I believe we need to understand about what we've talked about today. The first one is this. There is a right way and it is God's way. See, despite Moses' faith in God and the growing call of God in his life, he took the wrong approach. We often feel like our approach is right. My way is right. My thinking is right. But I'm going to say this again. Most of the time, you are not moving by faith. You are moving by imagination. Imagination serves me. Faith serves God. Imagination brings glory to me. Faith brings glory to God. We see that often in the kingdom of God, the right way to step into God's call for your life is the upside down way of our world, which is to serve. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 20. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As you know this, the king left aside his kingdom to come down among the people to serve. And he said, I came here to be a servant. I need you to hear me today. Every single time God is preparing you for your purpose, he puts you in a position where you are taught to serve, to put others first, to put God First, The whole point is to die to yourself. The right way to fulfill the purposes of God for your life is to serve. God needed to get Moses into Midian to teach him to serve. As I mentioned, he had never served before. He always did everything for himself. He had servants feed him and clothe him and take care of him and walk alongside him. And now he's by himself with a bunch of sheep trying to figure out, how do I do my hair today? And to serve these sheep and take care of them and put them on my shoulder and be around them and this smelly. And it's like he had to learn how to be a servant in the house of God. And this is what God is trying to bring you to when you're in a season of Midian. He's trying to teach you that more often than not, God is trying to teach you how to be a servant, to stop thinking so much about yourself, to get your eyes off of you and to start thinking about somebody else to start serving other people, to position yourself like a slave, to lower yourself like Christ did and lay your lives down and begin to serve someone else. If what you're doing right now is only to serve yourself, you are fighting the Midian season. Because God's trying to get you to a place where you realize it's better to serve than it is to be served. The second thing is the right person, the God's man or God's woman. God's trying to do something in your life. 
God's trying to prepare you. God's trying to work in you. Now, this is where many people give up on the journey. This is where many people subscribe to say, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I don't need the hardship and the difficulty and the process. I'm done. The right person. God's man or woman. As I mentioned, Moses wasn't acting like a man of God. He was acting like an Egyptian. And the person that Moses was was not the person that God could use. John the Baptist says it best. New King James Version says this, John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. The NLT says it this way, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. The Good News Translation says it like this, he must become more important while I become less important. See, this is called the emptying process. When God is trying to empty the Egypt out of you, God's trying to get the way of thinking out of you. He's trying to change you to, from the way of Egypt, thinking like an Egyptian, talking like an Egyptian, walking like an Egyptian, acting like an Egyptian. And when you walk out of that place, he says, I need you to empty yourself of the Egyptian way of thinking. Now, you might have some Egyptian dirt on your shoes still after a season. I get that. I've been, uh, you know, out of Egypt for a long time, but still, I got some dirt. My wife will tell you, I'm like, oh, shoot, I got some Egyptian dirt on my soul here. But the whole point is for God to work the Egypt out of you and our natural response is to do what? To fight back. What do you mean you want me to give up that hurt that that pastor did or that relationship where our divorce fell apart and he hurt me or that relationship with that pastor? Man, what do you mean you want me to give up that money or you want me to lay down that job or lay down that career? Or you want me to give this hurt my, to you? What do you mean you want me to trust in you when this cancerous situation's at my doorstep or my child is suffering? Well, you're telling me that you want me to give up that attitude? You want me to give up that way of thinking? You want me to give up that habit? Yes, because he's trying to prepare you to do something above and beyond all that you could ask or dream or imagine. You've settled in to life as it is. I guess this is it. It's not it. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. God has more for you, but he has to get the Egypt out of you first. Want to know why? Because you cannot handle what God has for you. What God has for you tomorrow, you can't handle today. Why? You say, why is he holding this back? Why is the whole relationship back or opportunity back? Is it because he doesn't love me? No, it's because he loves you. And he knows that if he lets you go into what God has for you right now, guess what? It would destroy your faith. Imagine if Moses went directly from Egypt into leading the people. How the people treated Moses. Moses would not have been a follower of Christ for very long. Say, why not now, God? Because he knows what he has for you could destroy you. He's trying to get the Egypt out of your life. He's trying to work in your heart. He holds that back for our good and our safety. He says, come on, Ryan, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. Come on, Ryan, I know you want it. I know it's in your heart. Come on, that Egypt attitude needs to go. I still got a lot of Egypt attitudes. My family knows, my God, forgive me, Lord. My Egypt attitudes, Lord, just keep working on I me. Mean, I know God says, okay, I wanna do more. I wanna, I wanna provide more. I wanna go farther. I wanna do more in your life. But he's still holding on to the things of Egypt. He's trying to work that out of your life. And here's the last one here today. The right, this is a big one, <laughs> the right time. God's timing. It wasn't the right time for Moses. It might not be your time. As he was increased with an emotional desire for more, the fact was it took Moses another 40 years. For all everyone in the room over the age of 60, you say, 
you know, 70, oh, it's done, done for me. Moses didn't even start his ministry until he was 81. You say, why am I not ready yet? Well, listen, it's just not the right time. It took Moses 40 years to figure this out, 40 years to understand what it was like to take sheep through the same exact pattern that he would take the people through. He did it for 40 years. He went back and grabbed the people and did it again. God was preparing him and walking him through. And oh, how many of you know, what we do is we do what I call a Hagar choice. We choose to go and make decisions for our lives that are trying to play God in our life. Remember Abraham and Sarah? Abraham said, God said 25 years you'd have a kid. Sarah said, hey, it's taking too long. Why don't you sleep with my servant, Hagar? And so he did, and they had a kid named Ishmael. And now today, do you know that the Islamic nation stems from Ishmael? that the, they believe that Muhammad was from the descent line of Ishmael. And because that one choice separated an entire division of two people from Christianity to the Islamic nation, yes, there are consequences for us stepping out ahead of God. Yet he's always so faithful. The right time. We rush things. We get into things. We try to make things happen. And this is what we're trying to learn. At that time, the Egyptians weren't ready. The Israelites weren't ready. Moses wasn't ready. How do, what do I do, Ryan? Here we go, you ready? It's gonna be a big bomb. Are you ready for it? Trust in the Lord. Be still. Know this in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act and according to fulfill his good purpose. This means this, God is working on your will. He's working on your desires. He's working in your life, but what is he working on? So that you will do what? That you will act in order to fulfill what? His good purpose. Not my good purpose. His good purpose. And what happened? 40 years passed. And God was ready to act. Years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. And they cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. And God heard the groaning and remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Moses is ready. Israel is ready. Egypt is ready. Pharaoh is ready. The people are ready. Everything's in order. Okay, you're the right man. Come on, it's the right time. Here's the right way. Go! And now today, this is why we have the very Christian population we have today is because Moses decided to let God do those things in his life. I want you to stand to your feet as I pray for you today. Come on, Holy Spirit. Just for a moment, would you just close your eyes as I pray and release you today. God, I pray for every person in the room facing, Lord, just a season where they're in Median or maybe they're in Egypt or maybe they're all the way back in, 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 with their parents right now in that season, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, right now. And Lord, that when the burden of God burns in our heart, we would trust in you and be still to know the Lord, that you will provide the way. Lord, you will provide the time. And Lord, you will do the work in our lives. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.